Good day, everybody, and welcome to the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast that is backed by a 120 Power Star rating. I'm your host, Drew Agnew, and the doors, episode 256, are open. Hope you're going well. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever and whenever you check out the show. I'm making most of the great weather here in South Australia. It's been an absolute ripper of a weekend. It's been really nice. And I'm actually a little bit disappointed that I didn't record yesterday because yesterday was so nice. The wind was so still. But today, a little bit windy. So I'm a little bit worried about how it's going to affect the microphone. So I'm basically just recording at the side of my childhood home, my parents' house. Got a little windbreak here, so I thought it'd be a nice place just to perch up on the uh, pergola and uh, have a chat with you. And the nice weather, man. Look, typically when it comes to the sunny days, comes to springtime, summertime, that is when it's time to go outside, see the great outdoors, see what's going on, make the most of your weekend. But honestly, this weekend I played more games than I have in maybe the last month or so. It's been absolutely fantastic. And I've really noticed how much this winter time has affected me just, you know, with my mental health. Because typically winter was my favorite season of the year. Absolutely love it. You know, you get home, it's like, oh, look, I don't have to make the most of this beautiful evening. I can go inside and I can watch my, especially when I was a kid, it was like ABC Kids, The Simpsons, Neighbours, all of that. If you're Australian, you'll know Channel 10, the uh, the sort of runtime there if you were a millennial like myself. Um, but... Now I get home, I'm tired. It's like it's it's time to, you know, gotta do the you know the bedtime routine with Lucas. And by that by that time, I'm ready for bed. It's ready to go out. I need that vitamin D. I feel like I've got enough vitamin D just with like you look at my skin, I'm pretty dark. But that vitamin D deficiency might have been a real thing. So I'm outside recording the podcast. Make sure I'm getting that vitamin D. So I can play those video games. So I'm happy enough to boot up the Switch or PlayStation. Because <laughs> that's the most important thing. God forbid if I didn't do that. How would it be there? So been playing a lot over the last week. Very keen to jump into some games. Uh, you know, some an indie title I'm really keen to talk about. As well as a AAA game I've been putting off all year. And I'm so thankful I've got it out the way. Because, my God, I wasn't enjoying it. But uh, we'll touch on that a little bit later. But to start things off, I want to talk about this massive Xbox leak that's come from the FTC or uh, Microsoft himself. I think it might have actually been uh, a fault on Microsoft's behalf. So rest in peace to that employee at Microsoft. I hope you uh, you know, saved your cash and you've paid off your house and you've done all those things because you might be looking for another job. <laughs> and kind of rightfully so. Holy shit, this leak was massive. Oh, God. It wasn't even a leak. It was just like the Hudson River just just going you know it wasn't even like a bit of a trinkle wasn't a wasn't anything like that she was she was a full-on flow got a bloody fly buzzing around me so um just uh don't mind me if you're watching at youtube.com slash ride got the two camera angles which is actually kind of cool because typically i've just used the two camera angles um in the studio but now i've got actually went and got a second tripod for the camera so i could do it so if you're at youtube.com slash ride be sure to leave me a like and comment on the video do all that stuff and if you're not I appreciate you all the same. But as far as the the Microsoft leak, man, it's been just really fascinating. Just, uh, you know, as an Xbox fan, I quite enjoy Xbox. I really love Game Pass. It's a great um, service for me to use to play a bunch of indie titles. 
And um, seeing all their future plans until 2028 is kind of crazy. Like, this is like the best uh, E3 presentation I've ever seen in slideshow form. <laughs> but we saw the next generation sort of plans or ideas. We saw pictures of their next generation controller and mid-console refresh for the Series X, which is like a cylinder. And uh, the controller's pretty cool too. It kind of, uh, they kind of take the ideas from the PlayStation 5 DualSense and bring it over to the Xbox, which is pretty cool. If you're an Xbox fan, I think they're good features. And if you don't like them, well, you've still got the current controller anyway, so it doesn't it doesn't matter. I think uh, that's actually kind of cool that you've got that choice. Because I think th some people would actually really like using the PlayStation 4 DualShock controller on the PS5, but you have to use, you know, that, uh, you know, the bigger, chunkier PS5 controller. So, yeah, you've got your options over there. It looks really cool. And, um, you know, all the Bethesda leaks, remakes of, uh, or remasters of uh, Fallout 3, a bunch of stuff. It's all very exciting if you're, um, if you're an Xbox fan. But what relates most to the House of Mario and Nintendo podcast, of course, you would have seen it, but if you haven't, I'm just going to sum it up quickly here. But Phil Spencer, uh, an email leaked from early 2022, around the time of Animal Crossing New Horizons, um, where he basically... It was in discussions about um, acquisitions, talking about the uh, acquisition of Bethesda and uh, Zenimax, their parent company, as well as Warner Brothers, which obviously didn't end up happening. But um, Zenimax for Bethesda, that obviously did happen with the acquisition of that publisher. And in that email was basically um, Phil, uh, Phil Spencer... Uh, his interest in Nintendo, describing them as like the crown jewel of acquisitions they could make, and that Nintendo would be much better off of their own hardware, but they don't see that yet, and it's taking Nintendo a very long time to do so. And it's been interesting just from you know the perspective of Phil Spencer and Xbox themselves, as well as just the hypothetical of Nintendo being acquired. It's not something we think about all that often, because... You know, they're on the top of their game. They're making so much money. And that's been something that's come from the Xbox sort of leak as well, is just how much profit and, like, net profit these companies are making. And it's uh, it's all very interesting just from a uh, enthusiast perspective, just seeing stuff we don't get our eyes on usually, and we're only getting our eyes on because of this. But... It's a, it's a worrying situation that, you know, Phil Spencer can talk about Nintendo in this way. And also just from their own perspective as well, as far as how they see game development and how they see themselves getting back into the good graces of gamers. It really is kind of worrying. Like, it was a massive thing when Bethesda got acquired by Xbox. It was... I don't know, it was kind of cool in some ways. If you're a Bethesda fan, you'll probably know that that publisher was going down a pretty unfortunate trajectory. When it was coming, when their biggest games are these massive open world games where you lose yourself in for years and years. Skyrim still hasn't got its sequel, for example. Um, and it's, that sold, I don't know, 60 plus million copies with all of the re releases and everything. So. They were kind of relying on that game in some ways, but they tried their hand at online games or, you know, um, you know, service games, all of this stuff to try and make money. But they were going down like a pretty unfortunate trajectory and even fans were a little bit disappointed in Fallout 4, all of that. So I think uh, if you're a fan of Xbox and you're a fan of Bethesda, I think that sort of marriage when they got acquired was kind of a good thing in some ways. It made sure that Bethesda didn't have to worry about where money's going to come from 
because they had the backing of Xbox and Xbox was able to like really rely on them and put their cash into Bethesda and make their games the best they can possibly be. And I think Starfield is a great example of that. It may not be getting 90 plus Metacritic reviews, all of that type of thing, um, but it is just an extraordinary game with massive scope and everyone's really enjoying it. So I think that relationship worked really well when it came to the marriage of those two companies. We get to see what Activision Blizzard's going to be like with um, Xbox. We're getting, getting to the very end of that acquisition phase. It's been a long time going through all the concessions that have to be made by Microsoft and uh, the back and forth between Sony and other companies saying it's going to be you know conglomerate, that it's going to take business away from PlayStation and then... Those emails got leaked and um, Jim Ryan, who is head of PlayStation, is basically saying, look, look, we're going to be fine behind the scenes. But in the public eye, he was uh, pretending that he was very worried. So it's been very interesting just from the behind the scenes, the political intrigue. There's been a bunch of stuff. A great, great amount of news stories have come out of this acquisition. If you're, a, I guess, if you're a PlayStation or Xbox content creator, plenty to talk about. And I haven't touched it on the show apart from a couple of things when it came to, you know, the Call of Duty riots being signed for 10 years on a Nintendo platform. So we will be seeing Call of Duty on Nintendo hardware in the future, which is which is great. I'm not that excited to play Call of Duty. Um, and, it's, and if it comes to Game Pass when, uh, you know, the Sony deal's finished in 2025, you know, <laughs> if I'm going to play Call of Duty, I'm going to play it um, for 18 bucks a month. Um, I just go through the campaign and I'm done. So pretty easy there. Not that I've played for a couple of years anyway. That last one I bought was um, Cold War. That was in 2020. I never finished it. I got bored, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> um, so yeah, it doesn't affect me too much. Um, so yeah, I think those acquisitions, they make sense for the most part, especially Bethesda. Um, <laughs> but Nintendo, the idea of buying Nintendo, Nintendo aren't just a publisher to bolster your first party content they are uh, they are your competition dude <laughs> so you're not just uh, you know getting content you're taking them off of the market and you could imagine you could just imagine it's uh, it's 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 bye bye for PlayStation for the most part PlayStation will become such a niche pl- product when you've got Call of Duty Bethesda games and Nintendo games exclusive to the Game Pass PC and Xbox ecosystem Oh my God, that would be an awful, awful world to live in. And I'm not against these acquisitions of these two publishers. I think, look, it is what it is. It it happened. But just the fact that Microsoft are just saying to themselves, we're going to keep going. We're not going to stop here. It's going to be, we're going to keep acquiring and acquiring and acquiring to the point where it's like, how many people are you going to be hiring how many teams are you going to be managing how like how is this possible because for the most part we saw with (laughs) with microsoft when it came to redfall um a game that came out from bethesda earlier this year back in it was may it was like it wasn't it was only a couple of weeks before tears of the kingdom so that game had no hopes for me playing it um just for that aspect but it turned out to be really really not good and it was a game that uh, Microsoft was actually kind of relying on to be, you know, a heavy hitter for them. And everybody was like, like Microsoft, what the hell? What's going on here? And it was uh, 
like Matt Booty, who leads the the first party output at Microsoft, said, "Look, I don't overlook that. That's Bethesda's job. I just look after, you know, Turn Ten, Playground Games, all of the sort of um, the studios within, I guess, the the first party output of Microsoft that isn't a publisher. It's getting a little bit confusing. So once you had Activision and you add Blizzard and you add King and you add uh, Bethesda, obviously Bethesda and all these third, um, uh, first parties as well as other acquisitions you make along the way. So if, if Nintendo did get acquired by them, I think the only good aspect would be like, look, you can play their games anywhere. It would be... I think that'd be a great thing to be able to play Mario on your phone through Cloud Play or your Xbox Series X at 4K, like 120 frames. That'd be nice just from, you know, having a Nintendo game run at, you know, I guess industry standard when it came to what you expect over after the other consoles. And that'd be that'd be a good thing, I guess, but everything else would be a downside. Um, Nintendo just marched the beat of their own drum so hard and for the most part, it turns out to be a really, really good thing. Because after the last few years of Nintendo games, the output on Switch, I can only point to a couple of disappointing aspects when it comes to it. The first party output is absolutely fantastic. We get a game pretty much every month, um, whether it's a third party deal or it's a second party relationship, like what they do with the Warriors games. They use Zelda or Fire Emblem IP and it's exclusive for their platform or you're getting big stuff like Tears of the Kingdom, Mario Wonder, stuff like that. But it's only been their Mario sports games with Mario Strikers, Mario Tennis and Mario Golf, which I can honestly point to and go, absolute waste of money, 80 bucks, should not be $80. Should be a part of uh, Nintendo Switch Online subscription service or it should just be like a $40 game. Like, you know, it should be a cheaper game just because it's, it's cheaper and it's not much content and yeah but I, I do understand from Nintendo's perspective where you know they want content rolling out and these games got to be done when they're done just so they fit into that narrow gap between Xenoblade Bay Chronicles 3 and whatever happened last year I can't quite remember because <laughs> yeah, it came out June and Xenoblade Bay Chronicles came out July so like it's, it's got to come out when it comes out I sort of get that but very disappointing for me it was one of the most disappointing aspects of Switch but I think Nintendo's just done a great job and we do not want Nintendo to be acquired by anybody. Anybody in the games industry. It's uh, It would be an absolutely awful sort of outcome for, I guess, the company and especially Microsoft where they're just interested in volume. It doesn't seem to be all that much quality and we will see going into the next 10 years it will take a while for these studios to be acclimated to just such a massive change, a new parent company. And it will take a long time to see, but it's um it's been a worrying sort of thought process over the last um the last week. Just been like, this is uh this is Microsoft's mindset. They are just looking to acquire IP. They can't build anything themselves. They can't build anything themselves like Sony have, like Nintendo have, and they're just looking to acquire. And that's fine. I think that's fine. Buy. Buy um, you know, Activision Blizzard, just all that content, all that IP to bring into your staple of um, of games. Same with Bethesda. And like I said, Bethesda, the marriage with Xbox actually makes a lot of sense going back to the first first Xbox with Morrowind, with um, you know, mods first coming to Xbox One. And uh, you know, that that those companies have always aligned up really closely. So 
yeah, that that's fine. But when it comes to Nintendo, man, that would be that would be absolutely massive, and that's just a conglomerate just eating what it can. But fortunately, we don't have to worry about this reality too much because it's not going to happen. And um, but who knows? In the future, Nintendo might be in a bad situation, and they will have to have to sell. But I'm also in the mindset that they lived through the Wii U. They sold 13 million units of the Wii U. Absolutely nothing. Their games on Switch sell 20 million plus now with 120 million, 125 million install base for Switch, which is just, just one, one, uh, once, one, um, yeah, just one extreme to another. That's what I was trying to get at. One extreme to another where it's just like the worst selling console of all time, almost, apart from, you know, just, uh, you know, whether it's Sega or some other companies. But when it comes to PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo, the Wii U is the worst selling console ever. It's um, it was insane, and go to the to go to the best selling console ever, is just a huge, huge turnaround for Nintendo, and I think um, rightfully so with the game output and everything, they've done the right things, and I'm very keen to see what the next generation console is and all of that. And if uh, Microsoft, they just need to just need to do some stuff on their own. I know they set up a studio called the Initiative. And that sort of didn't work out. A lot of big-name people joined from the area. Um, it was in Santa Monica, so a lot of people from Sony Santa Monica were poached, and a lot of uh, game devs for big studios are there as well. And uh, they came and they left, and now... Um, uh, oh, what's their name? Uh, Tomb Raider? Tomb Raider. They did Tomb... Oh, no. I've forgotten their names. <laughs> That's going to be an embarrassing one. You're going to... Um, you're going to... Uh, in the comments, let me know what that studio's called who did the, the Tomb Raider trilogy recently. And I know who they are. I'm going to remember just after I finish recording this podcast. And it's going to be very frustrating for me. But yeah, um, that studio basically is um, doing the development for the brand new um, Perfect Dark game. Which, as Nintendo fans, very exciting actually. <laughs> A rare IP being used by Xbox finally. But yeah... We'll see if they can do it. But until then, hopefully, no acquisitions of Nintendo. And um, all, the, all, of these, um, all of the hardware makers are sort of finding their own way when it comes to, when it comes to um, what they're doing. Like, I really enjoy Xbox. I think it's a, it's a great platform. And playing Game Pass and games across PC and Xbox has worked out really well for me. Playing on the Asus ROG Ally has been a lot of fun. And being able to jump straight into the Xbox version with my cloud save works out really well. I absolutely love it. And Nintendo, obviously, I talk about it each week. Love what they're doing. My favorite um, games publisher. Really enjoy the Switch. Even though it's underpowered, you know, seven years later, it's still just a fantastic piece of hardware. And I really love using it. Um, you just sort of got to find the games that don't make your eyes bleed as much when it comes to maybe the third-party games or... Maybe for some of the first party games. <laughs> and PlayStation, I think, uh, yeah, they do a... You know, they're, they're my favorite out of Xbox and PlayStation. I absolutely love their, their output. Um, but yeah, they're having a hard tr time sort of keeping up with the demand of content when it comes to just how long and how expensive their games are. Um, and that's sort of what's expected for them. And they're moving into the, the online, the service game, microtransactions. That's what... They've got a big slate of games coming out to try and monetize to be able to put back into their first party output so they don't go kaboom you know <laughs> so they don't go bankrupt it's uh it's an interesting time to be a gamer but let's not 
Let's not buy Nintendo. Let's not. Not that we have to worry about that. Let's jump into some housekeeping just to uh, let you guys know what's going on around the house of Mario. So you can go to youtube.com slash ruby to check out clips, to check out the main show, all that type of thing. We've got sleepover episodes coming out. I've actually missed a couple of weeks, and that's on my that's on that's my fault. That's just uh, that's just a bad organization by myself. But last week I actually recorded four sleepover episodes. I'm pretty far ahead in the schedule to make sure that I'm all good to go. Because uh, later this week I'm actually starting shearing. Shearing season's starting up again. And shearing is a job that just knocks the shit out of me. When I get home, I'm ready for bed straight away. So <laughs> I want to make sure I'm at least a little bit ahead before I um, before I get into you know the tougher quarter of the year. You know that's when I um, that's when I try and make some money for my savings because my savings has been depleting over winter time. So let's try and get those savings up again, Drew. But that also means it's a little bit harder to do the podcast as well. So been recording sleepover episodes. So you better check all those out at youtubecom ruby as well. Of course, if you're at YouTube, you can go to podcast services of your cho- choice like Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Leave a five star review, and it really does help because it puts us up in the, the algorithm. And I can tell every time we get an episode, it's very rare. <laughs> but when we do, we go, we get up in the charts. We're usually in the Australian charts, the the UK charts, and um, there's even been a time we've been in the top hundred or two hundred and fifty uh, US charts as well. And that's a major one because that's you know the US is one of the the bigger markets when it comes to a bunch of nerds listening to video game podcasts. So I really appreciate that if you could leave a review or a comment on youtube.com slash ruby. Let me know what you think of the show. But enough of that. Let's discuss the games I've been playing. And I've finished three games this week. And I'm um, pretty excited about it. So this is my 2023 gaming challenge update. And the first game I want to talk about is Gunbrella. A fantastic indie title from Doinksoft and published by Devolver Digital. And... This is actually kind of interesting because Doinksoft was acquired by Devolver Digital. So this is a first-party Devolver Digital game, which is pretty cool. And uh, Gunbrella, it's a game that I've been keeping my eye on for a long time. It's been a really popular game at trade shows like PAX Australia. Devolver Digital always has a big presence at PAX. So it's always great to see what games they're publishing because Devolver, they have a really fantastic vibe about, (laughs) about their games. They've always got a vibe, whether they're making them or not. And this game in particular has just um, a really sort of great sort of hook um, to get yourself into the game. And before I continue as well, I was provided a code for Devolver Di- from Devolver Digital for the game. So thank you very much to Devolver for um, allowing me access to play the game. But the hook for the game is that you're a that you've got a weapon called a gunbrella. So it's like a shotgun, but it's also an umbrella. So you can use the trigger to shoot, and you can also jump, dash, and sort of parasol and glide down with the gunbrella as well. And it opens up a bunch of gameplay mechanics. Sort of think about a 2D um, platformer, a really beautiful pixel art style, which has a lot of great vibes to it. Um, sort of got like a noir sort of feel. And it has this actually really cool filter over the game as well, where it's like a bit, 
it sort of makes it look like a CRT TV in some ways, a little bit hazy. And you don't notice it while you're playing the game, but sometimes when you're going for like a loading section or something and the screen goes black and you can still see it on like the Switch's OLED screen where it stands out quite a lot. It's like, oh yeah, it looks pretty cool. I actually really like the vibe it's going for. But when I jumped into the game, when you look at the game, it looks like, all right, it looks like um, a really interesting sort of 2D platformer with the mechanics of the Gunbrella. And um, I didn't really think, I didn't really know much about it. I didn't get a chance to go hands-on with it at PAX. I just heard people say how fantastic it was. So when uh, I finally got my hands on the game, I was really actually quite surprised that it turned out to be a like a, a 2D adventure game when you're, you're going through these towns in like 2D, similar to what you might see in Legend of Zelda 2. And you're, you're talking to people, you're finding out where to go, clues, it's being added to your to-do list. Um, so you never get, never really get lost. And I was a little bit worried when I first booted up the game. I was thinking to myself, oh man, do I want to play an adventure game? I was hoping just to do levels and shoot stuff. <laughs> That's what I was expecting. But when I booted up the game, I get on the train station, I go to the first town, it says... It says basically like find this this person, find out where to go. I'm like, oh god, we're like I'm like, oh, I'm gonna get lost. I'm gonna be frustrated because uh, when I booted it up, it was late at night. And I was yeah, like I said, I was expecting just like a bang 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 type of game, but it wasn't that. But I was actually very pleasantly surprised that once I dug into the game, I never got lost. It was something that is a, actually a very well-designed game with absolutely really great flow. As you're going throughout the game, you never sort of get lost of where to go. And there are multiple routes you can take. You can explore. You can find, you know, treasure chests with items and cogs to upgrade your gumbrella and your abilities along the way. But you never get lost. And I think some other games that follow this type of formula, you do get kind of lost. Like, oh, who I talk to? I can't find this person. But uh, this, it worked out really well. And the other aspect as well, because I wasn't expecting an adventure game, I wasn't expecting a story. Um, but the story in this game really blew me back, especially once I got into it, after the opening couple of hours. The game starts off like your wife is murdered and your baby daughter has been kidnapped by this man. And he drops his weapon, which is the gumbrella. So you pick up the gumbrella and you go hunting for this person to get revenge, and you are just out for a bloodbath. You don't care who you come across, um, you'll take them out. And um, along, the, along the way, you come across multiple themes that actually are really impactful. And it's one of the most impactful stories this year that I've experienced in a video game. When it comes to, it comes to like, you run to a, a cult called Cult 45, which is like doing messed up things, basically bringing back people. And the, the, the first boss is just horrific. I'm like, whoa, this game's going places. And then there's a, a different religion as well, which really sort of plays and revolves around the cult and what they believe in. And then there's also like climate change and um, sort of aspects touching on how we need to look after the world we have and what happens if we don't. And there's so many themes revolving in this game, whether it comes to what I just discussed there or... The, the theme of revenge in saving your daughter. There's so much there, which is really intriguing. And I was actually, um, once I finished the game, I went to YouTube and I actually came across my friend uh, Seth Sturgill's YouTube channel, All, All In Media. And he actually had a, um, 
had a video discussing an alternative ending to to the game and that sort of opened my eyes as well just there's so many choices in this game well there's not so many i think there's like three potentially four i think i think there's three there's three i can think of but there's three choices you can make in this game that actually have a direct impact on people around you and the end of the story which was fascinating there's a choice that you can make that I didn't even think about doing. There's either like, there's a black and there's a white decision to make, but there's also a gray decision that impacts the end of the story. And it's really fascinating. So I, uh, I commented on Seth's video and he was actually a little bit disappointed in the fact that a lot of people weren't playing the game. So when he saw I was playing the game, he invited me on for a spoiler cast on the all N Nintendo, um, uh, all N uh, media, sorry, um, YouTube channel to go and, talk about the game spoilers and we talked about it for an hour and hearing his insight into how he interpreted the story really sort of made me interested well not interested it really sort of opened my eyes like wow this story was even greater than i initially thought it was i thought i was really impressed with it but when i saw like how your decisions can pack the story um decisions that he made that um, were completely different to mine it was uh, absolutely f fascinating so story-wise, I think this game gets it done really well. You can finish the game in about six to eight hours. I was in that range somewhere. Um, my Switch only says like five or more hours on like my profile. So I can't quite tell. Uh, but an absolutely amazing game. Definitely worth the pickup. I think this game is being slept on a fair bit, especially for how fun the gameplay is, which I haven't even touched on yet, and how sort of great the story is for a 2D adventure game. Um, it, it punches well above its weight especially if you're expecting like a bit more of a, a goofy affair from Devolver Digital, if you've watched their presentations and uh, played a few of their games. Um, this game, you know, it touches on a lot of serious themes that impact a lot of us. And uh, even when it comes to like the re revenge tale, that's how I would feel if I was a father, if my baby boy got taken. My God. <laughs> and um, some of the, um, I guess, how the story wraps up as well. It's like, whew. Man, I could uh, I could only I could only imagine, but um, the gameplay as well. Like I mentioned, you got the gumbrella. That that is like probably the biggest selling point of the game. But it's got a unique hook of having a a weapon that we've never used before, and it it works out really well. The only downside for the game for me is playing Switch on handheld mode, is that. You use the Gumbrella, so you're obviously moving with your left stick, and then you're aiming sort of in a 360 orientation with your um, right stick. And then to shoot the shotgun, you use your right trigger. To do a dash, you use your right bumper. And then you can either jump with the left trigger, or you can jump with B, I think it is. And when it came to having to aim my gun for maybe some boss fights, where I had to be a bit more precise, and also jumping at the same time i really wish i had some back back paddles like the xbox um elite controller or um even my playstation um edge edge controller where it's got little paddles on the back because i i felt myself like getting hand cramps quite a bit where i'm like you know stretching my thumb to that second stick and jumping with the trigger didn't really feel very natural to me so a lot of the time i was just naturally going back to the b button but once your thumbs off the b button you're not aiming and I felt that I feel like the controls were a little bit cumbersome, but really that's not the game's fault. That's kind of just that's just the nature of playing on Switch handheld mode when you've got to use that second stick, because a lot of the time with the right stick, you're 
you're just flick, flicking it for like a camera angle on like a, a third party game or sorry, a first per, third person game when it comes to Mario or Zelda. You're just sort of, you know, flicking it around. But when it's, if you're playing like a first person shooter on there, which I personally, I don't know if I've played a first person shooter on Switch. I haven't played Wolfenstein or anything like that on Switch or Doom. That's kind of, yeah, I haven't really played a first person game on Switch. Have I? I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But with this game, yeah, I was getting hand cramps and I was feeling, feeling a bit unnatural to go to the jump button. But like I said, that's not really um, the game's problem. But apart from that, the gameplay is really fun. It's It can be fast, can be kinetic. You've got different uh, weapons as well um, within the gun umbrella. So you can have like a bit more of a, I guess, a, like a machine gun that runs out of ammo really quickly. And then you've got your shotgun, which is just like, just like three little bursts, because boosh, so it's real close range. Then you get sort of other weapons as well. You get grenades, mines that you can use. And I played on normal difficulty, but I can imagine on hard, you would probably have to go between them a little bit faster and use them a little bit more. But for the most part, I was all right with a shotgun. But the gameplay, you know, it revolves around, you know, doing dashes, jumping, um... And then you're able to like get around your enemies without being shot yourself. And the gun umbrella actually probably one of the coolest aspects is you can use it as a shield. So you hold in the bumper button and it puts up the shield. And if you dash while like putting out that shield, it like repels bullets back to turrets and your enemies. And those some of the best boss fights are actually like knocking back their missiles to um hurt them. So yeah, it was um just an absolutely fantastic game. I'm really glad I enjoyed it. And it was hard to rank it when I was putting it into my ranking for the year. It was hard because I've, I've played so many good games. I only sort of pick games that I think I'll really enjoy. And for the most part, I do. So out of 30-something games that I've played this year, it's like I think I ranked at 21, which is pretty insane. It's, it's, it's a stiff competition this year, but definitely a, a game that's probably going to stick with me, to be honest with you, especially, um, like I said, having that spoiler cast with Seth and talking about the story and... Um, it's a pretty short game as well, so it's just primed to go back and um, try out some different um, scenarios with your choices and just play the game again on a harder difficulty. It's um, definitely worth the pick up, so um, don't sleep on the Gunbrella. Go and pick it up. It's um, it's great, and like I said, I was provided the code from Devolver Digital, um, but yeah, I would have certainly picked it up myself. It was um, just an absolutely fantastic game. Next game I want to talk about is uh, Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales finished this up the other day. Uh, according to my PlayStation 5 clock on the main menu, it said 10 hours took to finish. So, you know, I believe it. I don't know how accurate that clock is, but it's more accurate than the Switch clock. So I'll, ta I'll take it for what it's worth. And Miles Morales, it's just more Spider-Man. I talked about Spider-Man a couple of episodes ago. I loved Spider-Man. I finally got through it. It came out in 2018. And I was blown away that it was um, five years old. And even Miles Morales, I picked this game up with my PlayStation 5. <laughs> and that's how I got the Spider-Man remastered code with that game. And um, playing Miles Morales, I, I didn't enjoy it as much as Spider-Man, just story-wise. But this game, they introduced a um, brand new character. Well, not really brand new, but first time you can play as Miles Morales um, now that he is a Spider-Man. And he's got some new abilities. So he's got like Venom abilities. And... I'm a little bit confused. Like, is that Venom as in, like, the symbiote Venom? Like, you know, the the antagonist Venom who takes, like, Eddie Brock in, like, most of the comics? Or is this Venom? Is that just, like, a... I don't know. I'm a little bit confused. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a massive Spider-Man lore guy apart from, like, the movies and, 
and these games now. But a little bit confused on that. If anybody knows, let me know in the YouTube comments. Like, does does <laughs> does Miles Morales's venom abilities? Does that mean like venom as in like the actual the actual uh, symbiote? I don't know. But anyway, you've got like different abilities in this. So he, um, Miles Morales, he's got like electric abilities, bioelectricity abilities, which is really cool. So you hold in the left bumper and then you press square. And he just does like a massive electric punch, which knocks your enemies back. You unlock more as you go. So you do the bumper button and triangle. He does like a leap forward with his like electricity, grabs them and just throws them into the wall and electrocutes them. So there's a lot more sort of abilities sort of um, put into this game. And an ability that I noticed, I probably just missed it in the first one, but you get you get like uh, taught this in the tutorial that if you do a jump and you hold it in square, you do like a, you swing from your web and you do like a kick and you can kick your enemies. And I found, I found that just made my gameplay just so much more fluid when I was playing as Miles Morales. And I assume that's just an upgrade or something that I missed in the, like the first Spider-Man game, but something that really did make a difference for me. So I'm really glad that um, I was able to play this game and the story's fun. It's like a, a smaller, story where Miles Morales is Spider-Man by himself. Peter Parker's gone off to Europe, so he's got to take on the underground, this um, this group by himself. And uh, it um, the end actually made me cry. I didn't expect it, but I, I guess that's just the, that inside me. I guess I just cried everything. So I cried at the end and uh, absolutely a great game. So I'm all ready for Spider-Man 2. I can't believe it. I made it. We're ready for October 20th. I'll be able to jump into Miles Morales and Peter Parker's shoes and uh, play that game because oh my god Spider-Man 2 looks awesome one of most one of my most anticipated games and of course my other most anticipated game is Super Mario Wonder which is on the exact same day so man it's going to be exciting I was actually a little bit worried <laughs> this is just a complete tangent but uh, Chantel one of her cousins so 20, 21st birthday is on October 20th and that's in Adelaide so that means we'll have to go to Adelaide for the weekend and I'm like oh look do we have to? <laughs> Do we have to? And I said to Chantel, Mike, did she come to your 21st? And she said no. So I'm all about saying, look, don't worry about it. Look, she didn't come to yours, wouldn't have to go to hers. And uh, I guess that's a, that's a good sort of question I ask you guys. Um, if somebody doesn't come to your 21st or 30th or, you know, big milestone birthdays, um, and you don't really want to go to theirs, should you go? Should you feel inclined to? don't know. I've got, I got Spider-Man and Mario Wonder. I, I guess I could play Mario Wonder still. I'll be like, Chantel, you drive, and I'll play Mario Wonder. Although, I get dizzy in the car now. I can't do it. I was When I was a kid, I used to bring, like, literally a stack of magazines in my Game Boy. And I used to, I used to like, just eat up that time in the car. I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to sit here and read about games and play games. But I can't do it now. I really can't. I get dizzy and sick. I hate it. It's annoying. So, I can't even do that. But I don't have to drive. No, it's it's a it's a big thing. So, anyway, I'd rather I'd rather not. I want to play Spider Man and Mario. <laughs> uh, and the last game that I beat this week, that I'm so excited I beat, is Dead Space. I did it. This game came out at, at the end of January, and I finally beat the stupid game. And I hated it. I hated every moment of it. <laughs> and um. I use an app called GG and that's how I do my rankings. I finish a game, I write a review, so I just get my quick thoughts out there. Do a quick um, rating out of five stars because the app offers it. I think um, scored reviews aren't all that useful. But for the most part, just for me to look back at, I think it's fine just to um, look back at. 
um, I guess talking about scored reviews, when I was talking about like Bethesda being, you know, everybody's poo-pooing it because it's like an 83 on Metacritic. So who cares? It's one of the most ambitious games of the year, of the decade. Leave it alone. I'm sure it's, it's, it's bad in some ways. And people are comparing it to like, I guess like the shotgun ripple effect on water compared to Cyberpunk and that. It's like, well, Cyberpunk's been out for three years and it was way more fucked than, <laughs> than that, that game was. Anyway, that's a tangent. Dead Space. Finished it. I hated it. And I went back to it on yeah, Saturday night and I was dreading it. I was absolutely not looking forward to going back to it. And just to catch people up on maybe some thoughts I had real early on in the year, as but I was I was keen to get into the Dead Space remake because it's a it's a classic. I've heard lots of good things about it. And with the remake coming out, it's a perfect opportunity to jump into it, give it a go. And I was enjoying it for like the first few hours, you know, going from area to area and just the sound design, the graphics that EA Motive have um, accomplished with this game. Just technically just an absolutely amazing, amazing game. It truly is. Just when you've got your headphones on, the music, the eeriness, like just the, the 3D sound when you can hear things behind you, just and that's there's a triumph just as far as just technology goes in making video games. The the Frostbite engine actually did this game really really good justice. And um, hearing people like talk about that really love the original and going back to this one, the changes that they made with uh, like no loading screens, seamlessly moving from area to area through like the elevator um, or the the shuttle card or whatever it was. Um, some some great changes as well as like side quests being introduced into the game that I did not touch because I was I was running through the game especially the last three hours um, I was like oh, you reckon I'm saying to do some fucking side quests <laughs> no way and look I uh, I see it's an it's a fantastic game it really is but it's really not for me I haven't played a survival horror game really outside of uh, Resident Evil so. I was keen to stretch my legs, try a different genre and try something a little bit new as far as games go for me. And um, like I said, I enjoyed the first few hours. I thought it was immersive. It was great. But there were some moments that really frustrated me because there was some areas where they just bombard you with enemies and then like, all right, I die. Then I go like way back and I have to, oh, I've got to do all this again. When you get back and I died and I died and I died. Well, all right, this is this is on my behalf. I'm just I'm not that good at um, shooters, and especially like survival horror, where you've got to conserve your ammo, all of that type of thing. So that left me frustrated, not because it was hard, but mainly just because of the checkpoint system. And then there was another there was another point where within the game you've got to um, basically re-energize um, these power cells. So you've got to find a power cell, put it into this door, and then the door opens and you continue on your way. You know, pretty simple, but <laughs> this is this was a this is something that happened to me was I picked up one of the power cells I was going through a room to move it into the next room to be able, be able to open a door and what ended up happening was a bunch of enemies came to me and I I literally I like screamed ah! I got scared so I ended up throwing this battery at the enemy and I ended up killing the enemies doing what I need and I'm like, all right I'll go and get the I'll go and pick up my battery again and my the battery disappeared. And I didn't go back to where I originally picked it up. And I just had no way of progressing. So I'm like, all right. So I had to roll back the game to my last save. And that really frustrated me. Um, 
So I had those two frustrations, which, you know, they're fine. I'll, I'll get through them. I reset to my past save and I did whatever I had to do again, which is always frustrating when you're re, redoing, you know, stuff in, in a game. Um, but apart from that, I just, the game, it, it's a 12-hour game and that's that's relatively short for a game. You know, I think that's a nice, concise length for a game. But 12, 12 hours, like, you know, if, if you're a dad or someone's a little bit busier, you might play two hours a night. So it's pretty much a week of being on the ship, the Ishimura, and going throughout the game, being like, oh, you know, the, the ship's broken. You've got to go to this control panel and open this up. So you go there, stuff screaming at you, at you and trying to kill you. I was like, all right. So you do that, you do that. Oh, we need to... This is out of power. You go here, you you put the power back on. If then someone else comes on your intercom, oh no, buddy, this door's jammed shut. We can't get the fucking sh- the escape pod out, whatever it is. So you go there, you do that, and stuff screaming at you. And after say six hours of playing the game, I'm like, I've had enough. I've had enough. I've had enough. Like. And along the way, the lore and the story is actually really intriguing, especially for a game that came out in 2008. Like, the game holds up um, story-wise, and I think that's fascinating, and the way the game ended was interesting enough. There's a bit of a twist, which I didn't even think was a twist. I just saw it coming, so it didn't really surprise me in any way. So, yeah, I just... <laughs> there was there was a point where I gave up on the game within the year because I'm like I just really don't want to play this game where I'm just going from room to room, and stuff's just screaming at you and stabbing you and I'm like, I'm like right, I've had I've just I just really had enough. I'm like I hate this game. I understand that it's good, that it's technically great. People love it. People into survival horror games think this is one of the best uh, survival horror games of all time, and I don't disagree with them. I just don't think survival horror is for me. I think a survival horror game with an intriguing story that's told in four hours, which is like a good sit-down, would be great. But 12 hours of that, just screaming in your ears, is just so... Oh, it's just, it was such a grind to get through. I've never played a game where I'm like, I hate this. Because usually I'll just let it go. But I'm like, I've played most of it. I, I, want, it, I want it ticked off. And... Uh, so the other day, I sat down and I finished it. I'm like, I put it down to story mode. So on story mode, you know, stuff's easier, it dies easier. Um, I think your health actually regenerates by itself. I'm like, I just want it done, man. I am so sick of it. So I went through and on my, um, my InZone um, H9 headphones, you can actually hook up your phone to a second channel so you can listen to music, podcasts, etc., phone calls, whatever, um, with your game audio as well. So what I had is I was playing music through the headphones. It had the sound effects and that still coming through the headphones. But I was listening to like a running soundtrack with like upbeat, <laughs> upbeat music, like pumping. So it's like I pause it, like just a little button on your headphone when uh, people are talking, some story moments going on. And then I would, you know, continue on my way. But then I'll come into a room, the doors would lock, the alarms would come on, stuff would drop from the ceiling. So then I press the button and then I'll just have like, it would be like a disco. And I'll be like, do, 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 I'm going to say like, you know, hacking stuff up with a saw blade and blasting meat off with the, the pulse gun and all that type of thing. It was, um, and that, you know, that helped. That that made it not so much of just like, just like, just, oh, it gave me goosebumps every time you hear like, Arr! 
Oh, Christ, it's another one. So that's how I felt about Dead Space. Out of five, I gave it one star. <laughs> and when I give uh, reviews on, um, on that app, I typically just, that's how I feel. That's how much fun and enjoyment I got out of the game. And uh, it's not a reflection of necessarily the quality of the game as if like IGN was reviewing it. But yeah, man, it was, uh, it was something all right. Um, Christ, I'm writing. It was, uh, finally got it done. I'm so glad. Fuck you, Dead Space. I will not be playing another game in the series if they remake the second game or continue on from there. No way. I've, I've done my dash, but now I, now I know. Now I know. So with those games off the off the bat, I'm moving on to um finally I'm moving on to Pikmin 4. I'm gonna be getting my thumbs on the sticks this week, which I'm very excited about. I've been saving it just for the right time when I've got some other stuff out of the way um, that I've already started. So yeah, I'm keen to get into Pikmin 4 and also started on the weekend Final Fantasy 16, which is a long game, so I'll be mentioning it probably week to week as we, you know, go on the rest of this year. And the opening two hours, man, to Final Fantasy 16 are amazing. It's just such a high-budget game with uh, the story is really intriguing. The characters are cool. The graphics are awesome. Uh, just uh, absolutely fantastic. So, And the gameplay as well, super fun. Um, <laughs> there's like some um, items you can put on which make the game like easier for you or basically give you assists. And I started off the game like, I don't want to do that. Um, but then there was, there was a section where like, oh, I'll put them on. And there's an item you can put on. I forgot exactly what it's called, but it's basically you just like mash square and it does like all the combos for you. And I put that on just to see what the combos are. And typically that is just like using a sword, using your um, your ranged magic abilities, as well as like your specials when you're holding the trigger and press square. You can do like a big like flame wing attack with your like power of the phoenix in uh, Final Fantasy 16. So I'm like, oh, okay, so that's what you do. You go do 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 and you can implement that. So... I want to turn it off because I actually want to get good at the game and I think it'll be a lot more fun than just going around mashing square. You know, it'll be, it'll be a lot more fun. It's like a 50-hour game, so I've got plenty of time to learn and get good at the combat system. But I think it's, it's a good item just to at least see, like, what are the combos you can do? Because for the most part, I was doing, like, a bit of magic, bit of bit of sword, <laughs> but it's a little bit un, uninspired as far as what I was doing. But now I can see what the game wants me to do. Use a bit of dash. All that type of thing. Pretty cool. So, really excited to um, get into those two games. They've been probably most my most anticipated games for the rest of the year, to be honest with you. They came out in June and July, so been out for a while. But I'm not really getting to games as they're coming out. I got to Tears of the Kingdom when it came out. I got to... I did play Dead Space when it came out. But, you know, I'm just playing games when I'm ready. And I'm ready for those games. I was in the rut when those games come out. You know, it was wintertime, like I mentioned. And uh, I'm just ready, ready to play, uh, you know, some of the most anticipated games for this year. So can't wait to play some more. Um, but apart from that, I want to um, move on. And we want to talk about the Guru Geek Out for this week, a tribute to my late friend Bobby Pauls, the Nintendo Guru. And I want to give a, a geek out to the Asus ROG Ally. And I don't, I don't know if I've talked about it in depth on the show, the Asus ROG Ally. I've had it for a few months now, since June. And similar to Final Fantasy 16, I've I had it sitting there for a, a month or so, just not doing much. Uh, the first couple of nights, I had to set it up because it was a handheld PC. So BIOS updates, Windows updates, downloading games, installing programs. You know, it's a whole thing. It's not like a switch where you just turn it on, do a quick little update, and then 
buy and download your games or put them in physically. It took a little bit more updating, but now that it's um, all ready to go, it's become like a great little um, indie Game Pass device for me for the most part. I was playing um, Forza Horizon 5 on the device and it takes like a long time to load up. Once you're in the game, it works beautifully. Like it looks like it does on my Xbox. It's awesome. And the frame rate has no problem. But the battery, the battery is the biggest problem. It just drains so quickly. And I definitely appreciate the Switch just for how it has like a four-hour battery. You can rely on it pretty much throughout the day. If you go out, it's going to last you for a bus trip. It's going to last you for a, I don't know, a boring moment in your day when you've got a bit of free time. So really, I really just appreciate the battery and the Switch a lot more and the efficiency and being able to lock it and things like that. It's just the, the Asus ROG Ally, it is a laptop. It's just in a in a handheld form but how you're able to play like those big games on it is really cool if you've got like a battery bank i've got a um an anchor battery back uh, battery bank i just plug straight into it and makes it last a little bit longer but i've been really just enjoying um some nights so i was like all right i'm gonna play through a short game tonight you know it might be three four hours and i want to finish it in one sitting and that's what the asus rog ally has actually been for me is um, going on Game Pass, having access to PC Game Pass. And what's actually really cool about PC Game Pass is, which it actually doesn't do on Xbox, but on PC, you can click on the game and you can actually scroll to the bottom. And it's got how long to beat built into the app. So you can actually see all these games like, oh, look, it takes this long to beat the campaign. It takes this long to do all the, all the main story and extras. And it takes this long to do the 100% of the game. So it gives you like a rough idea, like, oh, look, this is a three-hour game. Perfect for tonight. It's it's 9 o'clock. Um, I'll finish up about 12 o'clock and that'll be great. Uh, it, so that works out really well for me. So a, a lot of the games I talked about, um, indie games this year, I've talked about. Actually, I have played on the Asus ROG Ally when it came to um, a bunch of the stuff I've been playing. And I'm, I'm playing actually Bramble at the moment. And it's a game I never heard of, but I saw it on Game Pass. Bramble, I forgot what the, the full, uh, I forgot what the full um, title's called. But you play as like a little boy and you're looking for your sister. And I had no idea what it was, but you get lost in these woods, even though that your mum told you not to leave your room and go to the woods because there's dangers out there. And it's actually kind of cool because there's like, there's gnomes getting around um, and they they giggle like kids. And it's really unsettling. I really hate it, actually. It's kind of cute at some, sometimes. Other times it's like, oh, it gives you goosebumps. Like, oh, <laughs> those little gnomey kid things. I don't know. I don't like it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then there's like a section where you um you end up like in this butcher's room and he's like carving up meat and you're wading through it. It's really gross. I'm like, this kind of reminds me of like little nightmares in some ways too. But uh, games like that, I would have never played if I didn't have Game Pass and I didn't have like a little handheld device that can run that. So yeah, a bunch of stuff I'm really enjoying. I love the Asus ROG Ally. It's fantastic. It, it's expensive, but in the in terms of like prices for computers and prices for other things like the Steam Deck and this, uh, um, was it the Legion? There's like a Lenovo Legion product coming out where you can take off the the controllers on the side, much like a Switch, and use it as a mouse. So a bunch of these devices are coming out and they're actually really cool. I'm really happy that the PC space is evolving in this way and you know it's all, it's all thanks to Nintendo and the innovations they made for bringing handheld gaming back to back to its prime, I guess, in some ways, showing people that you can play normal AAA, maybe not now, but AAA games um, in a handheld device. So it's really cool. I hope um, hope more companies get on it because it's really cool. But 
owning owning one of them is absolutely fantastic and it's allowed me to just play more games so i'll talk about bramble more next week played about half of it so i got like an hour and a i got like two hours left i think it's like a four hour game it said on how long to beat and um solar ash as well that came to switch and game pass really keen to jump into that uh that was like a playstation exclusive for a long time and i, I was looking at it, I'm like that looks awesome because it the first trailer reminded me of one of my favorite games ever, Gravity Rush. And it was, that, it was actually at a state of play. I'm like, it made me like have a second take because it was in like a montage. I'm like, was that Gravity Rush? Like, you wish, you wish there was a Gravity Rush 3. But uh, that looks really cool. Um, Solar Ash from the guys that did a, oh, I forgot what it was called now too. Hate blanking when I'm on the podcast by myself. I've got no one to ask. Got no one to ask. Um, oh, I know exactly. <laughs> it's in my brain. There's another. There's another one for the YouTube comments. Been like, it's this game, Drew. And at the end of the recording, I would have been like, yes, I know, I know. So if you comment saying Drew it was this game, I'm like, I'll just comment back, I know. So yeah, thanks for the comment anyway. <laughs> but yeah, the Asus Rog Ally, absolutely fantastic. So anybody looking at getting like a Steam Deck or Asus Rog Ally, I think it's like a great sort of companion to a Switch. And all, all honestly, um, you got there's so much to play on Switch, but when it comes to when it comes to Game Pass and um, maybe some other AAA games that you can't play on the Switch, I think it's like a it's a really cool device to own alongside a Switch. Um, but you know, keeping up with games just exclusive to the Switch is hard enough. Believe you me. <laughs> but, oh no. <laughs> um, so yeah, I want to give a shout out as well. And I was thinking, who am I going to give a shout out to this week? And I thought I'd look at our own community within our Discord server. And uh, give a shout out to my good friend Luke, aka Lemonade, as he's rightfully known on um, on his socials. And is um I just want to give a shout out to Luke because he's he's been there from the very beginning of the House of Mario. I really do appreciate um, you know him commenting in the in the Discord server. He supported he supported me on Patreon at one point as well, which is always just a really kind thing that I always appreciate. And I just um you know. There's lots of long-term long people who I will shout out on the show within the next couple of weeks. I just want to put out there how much I appreciate that. It makes me feel not so alone when I'm doing this because I love doing it. But at the same time, when I'm just sitting here talking into a camera and doing it by myself, there's some weeks where I just like, I hear nothing and rightfully so because the podcasts I listen to, I don't comment or leave questions or anything like that. But... You know, it, it does make me feel like, oh, look, you know, it makes me feel like um, I'm doing something for someone. And I know there's plenty of people out there who do listen to the show and do enjoy it. And um, yeah, it, it's, it is just nice hearing from someone. So yeah, a big shout out to Lemonade. I really appreciate it, mate. And I can't wait to see you at PAX. You're going to be at PAX this year. You, mix, you missed PAX last year. So hope you enjoy it. And honestly, I think you did a, you did a smart thing. Because if you're going for the actual convention, last year PAX was... The packs itself, you know, you could tell that it was recovering from COVID. But this year, at least there's going to be a Nintendo there. And as you're a big Nintendo fan, it's going to be a lot of fun. So you've uh, you made a smart decision there. You made a smart decision. So, yeah, um, just another another shout-out for Lemonade as well. Go and check out his YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Levanede. Uh, there'll be links in the show notes to go and have a link to that. But he has just like a very casual YouTube channel where he makes videos that he wants to make when he wants to make them, when he has a bit of time, you know, busy man. But when he wants to make them, he, you know, makes videos, whether it's like a, 
um, like a tour of his game room or doing an unboxing. He's really into the N-Gage, which I find fascinating that he's like an N-Gage collector. So like the old Nokia N-Gage, like the, the sort of the, the mobile phone game device before smartphones. And it's honestly something I don't know about, but every now and again, Luke does a video and, um, you know, I watch it or see like an unboxing of what like the games themselves. It's kind of like, it's just a really fascinating device, which, uh, you know, typically people aren't really into the engage, but you no, know, Luke has um, a really interesting perspective on just game collecting and stuff like that. So go and check it out, youtube.com slash Levanide. And uh, Luke, thank you very much for your support here at the House of Mario. And if anybody feels left out, I know there's plenty of other people in the Discord server. I'll be talking about you. Don't worry about that. <laughs> You'll have your time to shine. <laughs> uh, all right. So it's been a while, guys. Let's uh, Let's end the show here. With Doug Bowser's hot takes. And Dougie, here's a bloody hot one this week. Oh, golly gosh. Doug Bowser, he wants a payout. He wants that cash. He wants to be sunsetted into the <laughs> into the world and retire. So his hot take this, uh, this week is Nintendo should be acquired by Microsoft. And if you would like to send in your own hot takes, questions, topics, anything for me to cover on the show, you can um, send me an email at drew at the house of mario.com so send me an email or you can just contact me on <sighs> x at idruby as well just a dm or just a just a straight post or whatever it's called on <sighs> x so um i always forget this whenever i get to the point i'm like i need to start up a stopwatch um for a minute so here we go Microsoft should acquire Nintendo because Nintendo are just absolutely dropping the ball when it comes to just making video games. This year with Tears of the Kingdom, Mario Wonder, and a bunch of other stuff, you just think to yourself, what if they were just acquired by Microsoft and they just had all that money and all that resource and they could just put it into more games? And as well as just like, you're sick of playing on the Nintendo Switch. You want a little bit more power. So... Imagine the games running on Series X or the cloud or anything like that. And imagine the possibilities as well as like, you know, Microsoft, only a couple of months ago, they had big layoffs. Wouldn't it be great if a Nintendo also had big layoffs and, um, you know, all of their talent that has been acquired and just there over the years just leaves. And then you're left with a nice soulless husk of Nintendo. It just becomes like a conglomerate within Microsoft. I can't even defend that, mate. Can't defend that. Yeah. It's rough. It's rough out there. But guys, that brings us to the end of the House of Mario, a Nintendo podcast. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can follow me on socials, at iDruby. But, guys, until then, I want you to leave me a little hashtag on the House of Mario. I want it. Oh, not on the House of Mario. I don't want to be like graffiti. I'd rather he didn't graffiti the House of Mario. But on the YouTube comments or the socials, to let me know that you made it to the end of the podcast, I want you to leave me a hashtag, from, from Microsoft better go away. <laughs> That's a long one. So T-H-O-M, Microsoft better go away. <laughs> That's just what came to my mind. It's a long one, but I'm sure your little fingers could type that one out. Let me know what you thought of the show. And there's uh, some topics you might want me to cover next week's next week at the House of Mario. But until next week, 
the doors to the house of Mario, they're closed. Catch you later. The House of Mario, a Nintendo podcast, is recorded in the southeast of South Australia. It is produced by me, Drew Agnew, and is supported by my kind and generous housemates at patreon.com slash idrewy. Call in for my behind-the-scenes podcast, Seeker Recordings, and Heaps Good, the South Aussie take on a conversational show with my good friend Josh of Nintendvania. A huge shout-out to the legends who support me at the iDruby Patreon Mega Feed tier or higher on Patreon, including Brendan Myers, Oliver Chaston, Samuel Hay, DJ, and Lemonade. Let's continue to make passionate Nintendo content as we climb the stairs to 300. Thank you.